0: Welcome to the Growing Hope podcast. Growing Hope is a charity providing free therapy for children and young people with additional needs and their families in partnership with local churches across the UK. Growing Hope aims to grow hope for children, hope for families and hope in Jesus. This conversational podcast is based on interviews with Growing Hope therapists, Giving practical tips, strategies, and insight into their field of expertise. It's hosted by Amy Hobbs, speech and language therapist.
1: Hi there, thank you for listening in to Growing Hope's podcast. I'm Amy, and I'm joined with one of Growing Hope's lead therapists, Sharon Powell. Sharon is a specialised paediatric occupational therapist and she's worked with infants and children of all ages in medical settings and schools and in communities um, all around London. She is leading the Growing Hope Broccoli Clinic, which is just starting out. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. I'm really excited to hear about uh, the Broccoli site. Can you tell us a little bit about it? What will it look like come September?
0: Um, I'm very excited about it too. Um, I think it'll be a great space for children, young people and families um, to come where they feel accepted, understood and heard and um, where they'll leave with a better understanding of their child's needs and um, to have some, hopefully have some helpful strategies and um, a space where they know that they won't be alone and, and just that there'll be hope for something to look forward to for tomorrow or the next week or a few years time that's the hope for um the broccoli side
1: wow that sounds amazing it sounds like such an important uh, role that you're going to be playing in in setting up the clinic and that the clinic will play in the in the community it should start in september is that right
0: yes that's right
1: great and you're an occupational therapist can you tell us a little bit about that i know that um for the people listening, they might have had varying levels of experience with occupational therapy or with therapy in general. So can you give us a little background on what is occupational therapy and what do you do?
0: Yes, definitely. So um, being an occupational therapist means that it's my job to problem solve with children or young people, parents, teachers and carers to find solutions for activities or tasks that may be challenging or difficult for a range of reasons. Um, I help with everyday tasks for getting ready, everything from getting ready for school to writing or learning in the classroom, uh, being able to participate in play, finding things that are fun to do after school, and making or eating dinner, and feeling calm enough to go
1: to sleep at night.
0: So it's very broad, lots of different things.
1: Yeah, it sounds very broad. There's lots involved in that then. Um, and you're working specifically with children. Yes. Um,
0: I. I am so children, um, from naught to eighteen years, who yeah might need okay. help to get better at something or to learn
1: a new skill that yeah. they don't have. Yeah. And what kinds of children do you see? I mean, looking at mainstream schools or special needs or additional needs, what sort of things do you see um, in your clinics? And um, you've worked in hospitals and in schools and communities. So I imagine you've seen quite a range of different uh, children and families. Uh, what are some of the things that you see often?
0: Um. So, I've been lucky enough to meet lots of uh, different children along the way um, with a range of different needs. Um, and hopefully, the service will provide help for um, everyone, so including children who might just find handwriting difficult, to children who find it really hard to um, feed themselves or to engage and play with others. And um, I think one of the the groups that i've been able to work a lot with is children with down syndrome okay and um, and yeah they've been really interesting in terms of uh being able to help them and give them support yeah
1: and what how does um a child with down syndrome sort of experience the world what are some of the things that um you would work with with them or the challenges they'd face in and
0: So one of the things that I've learned from working with children for a few years is that no one child with a diagnosis is the same and they all experience the world so differently and just like um, we all experience the world differently with different characteristics or preferences um, and. We know that typically children with Down syndrome might have learning needs or be hypermobile or low tone or be of shorter stature. But all of that varies as mm-hmm. to the extent of um how much need uh, support they need or um mm-hmm. yeah, just where their difficulties lie, um, how motivated they are to engage in things and what it is they find interesting or not interesting. And so I, I always think it's really helpful to have a conversation with parents or carers first, and um, because they know their children the best. And just working out what the child's strengths are, what their areas of interest are, what their needs are, um, is always
1: a good place to start. Because
0: no one person's the same.
1: And what does your therapy often look like? If if which I imagine these children have so many uh, different interests, you know, as everybody is unique and has different interests and um, does that mean your therapy has to be quite um, varied or do you, do you find that it's quite a creative process and finding ways to um, you know uh, work on on growing their weaknesses or, or, or working on their strengths do you have to be quite creative in how you do that
0: yeah I think there are always general strategies that can be helpful and are a good place to start but um, often the most success is just finding out um, new ways of doing things and what's going to work best for the family and child or um, the, the teachers and the classroom setting. Um, and so a lot of it is problem solving and working together and not um, being seen as like the specialist in dictating things but actually mm-hmm. finding out from everyone yeah. um. What, what the best solution is and coming up with it together. Um, and also um, with children, if if it's not something that they're interested in or motivated to do, um, then uh, it doesn't matter what kind of strategies or recommendations we make um, because it, they're still not going to be engaging as well as if they're really excited by it and want to be doing it and want to be achieving something. So and um, making sure that the child's involved in, in what we're doing is really important.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. I know that um, in some of the kiddies that I've worked with as well, uh, similar to what you're saying, that they you often have to find what they're really motivated by. And sometimes that can be really, um, really fun or really different for me because it's not necessarily something I know about. I know when I started out, I... Um, I didn't know much about dinosaurs and then I uh, had one little boy who loved dinosaurs and was highly motivated by that so we, I had to learn very quickly as much as I could about dinosaurs to, to make therapy interesting for him. Do yeah. you find that you you incorporate those sort of yeah. you you're learning a lot about different interests and your job?
0: Yeah definitely I think it's um, working with children is just so much fun, and there's always a new song that you're having to sing, or yeah, different area of interest that you need to tap into, or different programs or characters that you need to learn about. And um, so, it yeah, it's definitely not boring
1: working with children. And so, you've worked with a variety of different um, kinds, uh, different children, and different kinds of settings. Um, and our growing Hope is this going to be like a. A school sort of setting, or is it going to be like a clinic? What what do you see that looking like?
0: So it'll be a clinic based um, service where um, mm-hmm. children and um, their carers can come um, to receive therapy. Um, Ideally, it would be really helpful to be linking in with other community services or, and schools mm-hmm. in the area. Um, so that's, that would be really helpful too because um, evidence is around putting things in place within context. So um, although the service will take place within a clinic, it would be helpful that those things can be carried out within uh, the setting yeah. that the child wants to be doing them into. So working together with everyone involved with the child is is would be really helpful and is what we would aim to be doing.
1: I can see that that would play a huge role. How is growing hope uh, for you? How does it differ from um, services you've worked at in the past? Is it? Um, do you think it will be quite a similar thing to what you've you know done before?
0: I think um, in some aspects it will be. I think um, providing. Uh, best evidence um, practice and um, engaging with parents and children is something that I've obviously done before. I think where this is different is that it's just a different environment, a different setting, a different expectations. Um, and, yeah, the, the hope would be that people... Are able to access it without, um, yeah, just seeing it as a place where they feel comfortable and supported, where differences are celebrated, where strengths are encouraged, yeah. and and let maybe uh, for people to be less intimidated with it not being a medical mm-hmm. setting or, um, yeah, so just a, a space yeah. where people feel
1: supported. Wow, that's really important. Um, That sounds so exciting. Um, Do you have any tips or tricks for parents? Uh, I know you were talking about um, your work with children with um, Down syndrome. Uh, Do you have any tips or tricks for parents which you've found over the years uh, to be useful or helpful?
0: Uh, Yeah, I've got a few, I think. And The first one is always to give opportunities. And sometimes I think we tend to shelter children or um, if it's something that they find difficult, it's just easier for us to be doing it for them. And so just giving them the opportunity to engage in something is really important. So even if they're not successful in it, just Mm -hmm. them having the chance to do it um, is, is really important. Um, I think another one is just uh, breaking the tasks down so um, we're never – want a child to feel unsuccessful or that they're failing and and so in giving them the opportunity sometimes it's about giving them small parts of it so that they feel like and they're doing well and that they're achieving something in it too so maybe you could start the task and then get them to finish it off so that they feel like they've achieved it and so just thinking about how we do it so automatically mm-hmm. and if there's a way to break it down and make it simpler or easier so that there is success enough for the child too, which is always more motivating than feeling like you're failing at it. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah.
1: Okay. That's really helpful. Do you have like common tasks that you that parents um do find challenging to teach or uh, that you often are breaking down or simplifying for for children to be part of? I think
0: um, specifically with children with Down syndrome, the things I get asked about the most are um, around toilet training and how to get um, a child toilet trained and ready for school. and mm. um, and the other one would be around eating and moving away from like completely smooth foods to foods that um, are a bit uh, chunky or have got lumps in them. Okay. So, um, and then the last one would be fine motor skills, so being able to do things with their hands, so things like drawing or uh, doing up buttons. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think in, in all of those, the, the main tip I would give is just to try and find a fun way to engage with them. Okay. And so just find a way to make all of those things fun. And another one would be to practice them frequently. So if you're only giving it a try once a week, it's really hard to get better at it whereas if you um, doing it in small little bursts more frequently yeah. there's more chance of them yes. learning and picking something up and yeah. um, expanding
1: on those skills yeah. and you mentioned that you work quite in well it's quite integrated your work with the family and the teachers and um, everybody who's involved in that child's life and I imagine that if you are working with the parents and the families often that they also become like therapist to the child um is that sort of an accurate (laughs) sort of
0: interpretation or definitely that that is always the hope and that the parents would be kind of more
1: knowledgeable than
0: me and know what to put in place and know how to do things and Mm. and i think they come with a a really important uh, knowledge of their child as it is so what their child likes what they don't what they find easy what they find difficult and so that's they already know more than i do with regard to their child and then uh, just kind of making some suggestions or showing them something that they might not have seen before um, but the hope would be that they could then take that away and put that in place and um do it consistently at home rather than just once off in a clinic room. which um is the is the hope? So mm-hmm. yeah, that they would know. I would.
1: That you acknowledge that parents are almost the experts on their children, and even though you are the expert in. You know, occupational therapy and the way that muscles and the brain works, and, and all of those sort of activities. That the parents being experts of their own children is almost as important in that in the therapy process and uh, and you know supporting their their, their needs and, and growing their you know their skills.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And you, you mentioned that it is quite a consistent consistency in what the parents do with the child at home uh, and at school uh, is, is an important aspect of it. And I know, because I'm also working in, in the therapy sector, I know it can be uh, sometimes quite a long road in, in you know, working with children and particularly children with additional needs sometimes you have to do a lot of work lots of repetition and practicing um, before you necessarily see results and sometimes um, you don't always see progress as um, discreetly as you know somebody who is necessarily
0: um,
1: in the family or seeing that child every day um how do you um sort of manage that process of keeping keeping going or um being patient or being persistent in doing the activities and the, uh, the you know whatever it is that you've got to do with them when you're not necessarily seeing results or you're not seeing results yet or when progress might feel slow how do you as a therapist um sort of manage that for yourself is that quite a difficult thing or is it easy to just sort of um you know have the goal in mind and, and work towards that
0: so I think um one of the biggest things is setting expectations and what it is that we expect and what it is that and um, is achievable too and so within that setting smaller goals so not expecting the child to go from um, not being aware of toilet training to suddenly being fully toilet trained in a week because that's not necessarily achievable um, and so actually what do the little steps in between that look like and actually uh, just starting at them knowing when it is that they need the toilet or when they're wet or dirty and then being able to sit happily on the toilet Those that would be progress it's not being fully toilet trained but that's still that's progress and so just thinking about um yeah what the expectations are that we're setting and making sure that they are achievable
1: Mm. and is that something that you that parents would also um you know encounter or struggle with is that something that you work with parents on
0: yes i think um for lots of parents, sometimes seeing the small steps in between can be difficult. And so just highlighting what those st- steps look like and actually them um, supporting their child to meet the first few steps means that then they can progress on to the next few. And I think the other thing with parents is finding um, a network of of parents or carers who are going through something similar or having children with similar needs can be really helpful as long as it's a supportive group. I think sometimes there are groups that aren't as supportive, but if there's one that's supportive, it can be a really nice way to say, Oh, actually my child wasn't doing this either, but now they can do this and this. And actually there is hope and they are, there, there is the possibility of them progressing and doing better. And also just um hearing someone who's gone through the same challenges of it being a slow progress and and taking a long time and requiring consistency over a long period i think it's just really helpful to know that you're not the only ones doing that and that actually there was success in the end and it is worth working through it and and keeping going so I would say finding a, a supportive uh, yeah. network can be really
1: helpful yeah. too that's amazing that is such a yeah a, a key insight there into what parents sort of uh, may be experiencing when they are on this therapy journey because I imagine you as the therapist you know um you see them once a week or twice a week or whatever it is but on a day-to day basis what would be useful for parents in um, having a support network or, you know, managing goals or setting expectations for what they can expect on a day-to-day or week-by-week basis would really make a difference in in how they view this, the whole therapy process. Um, thank you. That's really helpful. Um, I'm feeling really encouraged by that. <laughs> um, like, before we go, I would like to know one thing that you
0: are cooked in lockdown um so I, <laughs> I i did get on the banana bread bandwagon just because it's quick and easy <laughs> it was many a loaf of banana bread and i really love toasting my banana bread after it's baked too so that it's extra crunchy
1: Oh, that's key, yeah. I think that I might walk banana braid for another like, month or two, just in recovery from the lockdown. <laughs> I love banana braid. So that's a very good train to, to hop onto. Well, Sharon, it has been so uh, amazing to chat to you. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm feeling really encouraged on what you've shared about uh, your work in occupational therapy and how you cultivate and maintain hope in the therapy process. Uh, and I'm so excited uh, to see what the broccoli site, you know, the impact that it's going to have and, you know, as it takes shape. Thank you,
0: Amy. It's been lovely speaking to you too.
1: Thank you for listening to the Growing Hope podcast. To find out more about Growing Hope or to sign up to our monthly newsletter, go to our website growinghope.org.uk